the Luminous Possibilities Podcast. We offer a diversity of perspectives from many fields of medicine, esoteric and ancient wisdom, and subtle energy, arts, and sciences. Find deeply fulfilling pathways for co-creating yourself, life, and human communities around you. Find inspiring attunements to your own optimal living roadmap, true authentic self, and the most radiant frequency for living life to the fullest. All right, welcome to another episode of Luminous Possibilities Podcast. I'm Keenan White, your host, co-host, and I'm here with John Eden today. He's a transformational coach, and he's an amazing friend, brother of mine I met earlier this year, and he's just been such a light in my world. So welcome, Eden. Thank you, Keenan. Appreciate yeah. it. Glad to be here. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about your coaching. What, what kind of coaching are you doing today? Well, it's interesting when you say the word coach, what a lot of people get a sense of. And uh, yesterday I was in Lululemon, one of my favorite stores to peruse. I appreciate their clothing. <clears throat> I do too. Big athletic African-American man comes over and starts talking with me. First, I didn't realize he works for Lululemon. And he hits it up and we start talking. He's just so friendly and open immediately. Like all oh, my attention shifts to him. Like, oh, he's much more interesting than these clothes right now. And he just opens up. He just starts asking me some questions about my life. And then he opens up and he's like, yeah, I just moved here from Philadelphia. You know, I've been an athlete. I mean, you can tell the guy's built. Like I would never tango with this guy without knowing I was going to get hurt. Yeah. And um, just moved here from Philadelphia. And he's really excited to be in Denver. Loves the weather. He's got two little kids. And he's really looking to create the kind of life that he didn't have and the life that he wants to give his kids. And he shared with me how he's like been told like tech is the thing to get into and he needs to get into tech and he's jumping into it. But immediately as soon as he said it, what I felt in his presence was he's, he's doing what we all do in this learning journey. He's trying to find the thing that's gonna make him successful rather than knowing his thing within himself that he loves and that is his service that he came here to serve with and letting that come forth and letting that bear fruit and then offering that fruit to those who see it as tasty. And so he looks at me and he goes, you know, I didn't have a dad. I was the seventh child of my mom. And he goes, the only reason I'm not crazed or in jail is because I had good coaches. And I just smiled. And he looked at me and he goes, you're a coach, aren't you? <laughs> I go, yes. He goes, you're a life coach, aren't you? And I go, yeah. I said, really, life is about change and about transformation. So in a fundamental sense, I am an agent of change, meaning that I'm here to allow and to learn how delicious change is. And that change only affects me negatively when I resist it. And I said, imagine, my friend, if you had had the dad you wanted, like Michael Jordan and the coaches. And he just looked at me like, yes. So where's your coach now? Well, I'm the coach. Yeah, but where's your coach? Well, I don't have one. Ah, uh, why not? And I think that's, for me, what I'm here to do. I have a coach. I have a therapist. It's not because I'm broken. It's because I'm here on this planet intentionally to realize how frightened my whole system, this vehicle is being a byproduct of the collective 
I am, it is a change. Yeah, beautifully spoken. I mean, it's, um, there's nothing more unchanging than change and, 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 you know, being in this world, especially now with, you know, so much uncertainty and a tendency to fall into a lack of trust of knowing where to go, where are we going as a collective? You know, that's, that's the collective picture. And then what happens, you know, where does the, where does everyone personally fit into that? And yeah, I mean, I find that's what a coach is really there for. Is it really somebody there to support you, guide you in some ways of ushering in like this, this kind of like higher path. I don't mean to say that as a better path, but it, it's a, it's a path with a higher vibration, mm -hmm. you know, something aligned to what you're really, your true calling is mm -hmm. uh, the, the kind of coaching I've been calling my coaching is telos coaching. Mm -hmm. And that word telos comes from uh, Aristotle and it's, it means true aim. And so there's a, there's a hint of purpose in there and it's like, well, you know, what is your purpose? Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily software engineering or some fancy tech job that's going to aligning you to your purpose. I mean, maybe it will, but Telos to me has a lot to do with character. You know, our purpose is really our being. It's our character, who we are from the inside out. So yeah, I mean, if it, it seems that that's probably one of the, the greatest things that a coach can show you is like, who, who are you? What do you really want in this world? Yeah. And what's in your way. Yeah. And beyond want. I mean, we were just having this conversation earlier. I mean, this is another piece of it too. Like there's this desire and there's, there's this wanting and there's this longing and we can have this desire and a wanting a longing outside of us, mm -hmm. but our, our, our really are the desire of desires is the be longing. It's the, it's the, the belonging to ourself. And, and really, I mean, a community, a collective, all of that, we're, we're social creatures, but there's a, this belonging that we're after that, that really is, I think, and, you know, like you had mentioned, connected to this larger design mm -hmm. and that, that it can be sometimes hard to see yeah. by, your, by yourself, yeah. you know, someone to be able to witness you outside of the context of your normal everyday life and where you can just spit whatever you know you've been through and share and just be vulnerable show up with your fears and all that stuff and just have somebody to sh help see help you see yeah because it's a process and when you when you recognize that change is a process mm -hmm. the apple right you know the tree rises from the ground to reach the sun and then it forms the app drawing from the nutrients and the sun at the same time it forms the apple and the apple is this perfect expression of that desire of the tree to bear fruit to reproduce itself to be good to be useful and then that apple falls if it's not picked because now it's also it's as much as the tree is drawn to the sun it's also drawn to the ground for that renewal process so the apple falls returns to the soil, breaks down only to rise again. And when we see that life, so much existential crisis for me has been around that I am this body. And so my sole purpose is to get everything I can to keep this vehicle safe, how it looks, where it lives, what it drives and how it's seen by other body minds. 
that was a fun adventure for 35, for the first 35 of my years. At 35, I hit a wall. I had achieved everything I wanted to achieve. I had all the things. I had the money. I had the status. I had a, a big audience and a huge uh, opportunity to go big in these systems, but I saw their ceiling and I realized to go big in them is to fully commit myself to their ceiling. Mm. And at that point, it became obvious to me, I'm terrified of change. And because I'm terrified of change, I'm looking for systems that will allow only a certain amount of change, but not absolute trust that change is our best friend. And I went, shit. <laughs> I'm scared yeah. to make this leap. And as I realized though, but as I looked at the, the, the constraints and how I felt about not being honest because I wasn't being honest, I was being mm -hmm. honest enough, but I wasn't being completely honest. And when I realized, wow, man, that's when I started to realize I'm surrounding myself with coaches and mentors who are teaching me how to be mediocre and re reinforcing my mediocrity. Now we are a higher level of mediocre than those mediocre people. We're the upper echelons of mediocre, <laughs> but we're still mediocre. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with mediocrity. It, it, the word literally means intermediate. So mm -hmm. I'm not a beginner necessarily in that field. There's plenty of areas I'm a beginner, but I've, I've made it to intermediate. Now intermediate is a great place to sustain a level of certainty, a level of security, a level of financial like flow. But in order to maintain it, you really have to spend a lot of your time with people you don't like, trying to convince them to do the work that you don't want to do. Because your sole role is to show people what they're not doing and what they need to do. Hmm. So when I made that transition, I realized the only way for me to truly make this transition is for me to call in some amazing imports. So the first person I called in to make that transition me was a man named Dr. David Hawkins out of Sedona, Arizona. And he became a mentor to me first through his books. I mean, I literally absorbed, bought everything he had, watched everything he's ever said, and really allowed my being to come into contact with the perspective that he was offering, which to me is really the masculine and it's absolute, non-attached, clear, pristine space. And I give myself fully to that. I'm the creator of my experience. Nothing happens to me that I haven't asked to happen to me. And the effect of my experience is always based on my attention. How I focus my attention creates my experience. Sweet. Okay. You know that cleared that, worked through that. And what was challenging about this kind of work though is, is now every relationship in your life that you've maintaining now faces the challenge of you being open to change and you not being open to change in a lot of relationships and keeping that person feeling like I have one consistent guy, he does what I want him to do, awesome. And now you're like not committed to being that role and playing that thing anymore because you're not asking them to see you that way which feeds your own resistance to change and you start being with the change every relationship in my life began to tremble and a huge part of my struggle has been then second guessing my path oh they're upset i'm doing something wrong 
Now I can yeah. sit here in my Dr. David Hawkins and muscle testing philosophies all day, but to actually face that feeling, I can mm -hmm. try and get them to change their mind. I can just pull back from it and go, well, I don't have to experience this. I can just mm -hmm. detach and become indifferent. Cool. Then I'm just gonna, my body's gonna die. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna leave. And I can do that. And I got there. Because what I realized at the core was how terrified I was to face the feelings of being here. Mm -hmm. The literal Akash that's built into this body that is a cosmic microcosm, cosmic microcosm, macrocosm as well, of all that I have chosen to learn and play in. Mm -hmm. And it's inviting me to bring all these beautiful things down into each embodied cell and allow each shell to shake and vibrate under that and expel all distortions. Yeah. And when you're expelling those distortions, you're really literally re-experiencing what feels like very scary moments in your life. Mm -hmm. And so David Hawkins to me was like this perfect grandfather, father, enlightened father figure. But as I graduated that school, I moved to the school of the feminine. And that's where the shit got, that's where, that's where shit got scary for me. Because now I can't hide behind my indifference and, and inertia and my great enlightened mind. Now it's about dropping into my belly and feeling here how terrified my cells and body are and the beings around me about being here and about what we've allowed to have happen on this planet and how we've allowed things to become the way they are. Yeah. I agree to let things come this way because of what I wanted to ignore. And so moving into this mm -hmm. process of trust, I remember when my kids were born, you know, looking at it now, I wouldn't have gone through, I wouldn't have gone the hospital gynecologist route. Not that I could tell my wife what to do at the time, but I would have taken my time and really honored her body and really honored the process and really found some people because I met some people after my children were born, incredible midwives that told me these stories of how they hold the space and how the children are born and the way the children received and how much that's a big part of their early formation. That's a big imprint. Totally. And to me, what coaching does is you're, you're calling in a midwife, you're calling in a grief walker because part of you is going to die. Yeah, I love that terminology. It's it's really beautiful because you, yeah, I mean, in, in some ways when we're able to have that moment where we do release something and we finally break through and there's this, it could be an insider, it's just this moment where we just fucking cry. And it's like, how, what what is setting the precedence of that? And to me, it's always felt like it's the moment where we're actually at a capacity to hold that for ourselves. And part of it also is that someone else is maybe there as well. There's a capacity that's part of our present experience in the room that's allowing us to feel safe enough to, to allow something to release. Exactly. And, and that is a moment of death. Yeah, and, and think about the way that, there's a great guy out there named Jenkins. Um, he wrote the book called Grief Walker and there was a documentary done on him. I got to hang out with him a few times. And he talks about the death process. He said the, 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 the thing that he struggles with the most is that he won't be able to give his children a good death. Mm. Yeah, tell me more. What does he say about that? The, the level of care and attention that he brings. So, so he had this 
he was in it for 30 years and he just saw the the distortions in the process how we remove the union yeah and this is part of this picture of trust that that we're more or less you know pointing to and, and i think is a really big part of this this conversation today is is this radical sense of trust and, mm -hmm. and what is that and um yeah so so what are the things that we've really put in place that that don't allow us the proper rite of passage yeah we go know, so into... fast right so grandma's going to die so she goes into hospice and she's in this room and it's not that there aren't great people there caring for her and all that stuff but imagine the honor imagine the exquisiteness that we could give those that are making that transition imagine the care and attention and the kind of questions we could ask them. One of the best things he says is if you're dying, the best thing you can do for those around you is tell them what you're giving your attention to. And he mm. said, and if you're around someone who's dying, the best thing you can do for them is ask them, what are you giving your attention to? What matters to you now? And he talks about it's, it's one of the most beautiful transitions and we're so afraid to make it because it's such the core of our fear of change. It's the ultimate thing that we think we're going to lose our existence when the body dies. That's how thoroughly we have forgotten what we are. That's how free we are to create an experience where we go in knowing I'm going to fully forget that I'm immortal. And I'm going to have the experience of being mortal and I'm going to experience the idea that when this body dies, I'm gone. It seems to me that this is probably one of the, the most challenging things about being a human being. Yeah, I don't know that <laughs> we just We just forget. Yeah. And, 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 and then thinking about losing someone, a friend like you, right? And then you think about your parents and if you have children, you think about your children and it's like, and you just, your mind just meditates on this idea that they're going to disappear and I'm going to lose my union with them. Or I hope they mm. die because I hate my union with them. It can go either way. True. But both are a lie. And it's, it's a great thing to just be like, we're immortal and just, it's another thing to face your mortality and allow your mortality to make contact with your mortality and the bridge to that is in feeling yeah and there's another thought that makes me think about this other piece about you know because this is a very uh, kind of like piscean topic to me as an astrologer hmm. you know it's, it's this it's this like kind of space of knowing what this is all about hmm. that we're really in this dream mm -hmm. you know and it and it, and it whatever happens here doesn't really matter. And there's this kind of magic to everything. But, it, but in that, you know, identification with reality as beyond the human life, beyond the body mind, there can be this magical thinking and, and there's this beauty and there's this knowing and there's this kind of ineffable, like maybe trust of, you know, what's beyond. Yet, is there really a trust of the, 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 you know, maybe all capital trust, you know, the trust of all of it, because there can be this kind of like ghost-like energy mm -hmm. of like living in the world, like oh, nothing really matters mm -hmm. and it's just magical. Mm -hmm. and, and so the real trust to me is like facing the death, facing uh, life. You know, fear of death really is a fear of life in a way. And because if we, if we have a moment of, of, of dying and we finally reach our deathbed, 
and we have that moment and like all is going to leave you know the thing that i feel like would run through my mind is like how did i live you know and it and it seems like like the biggest way i've tried to bridge in bridge this piscean world is through the virgo it's the opposite it's through the little things mm. and like embracing like you say like the gut and the feeling and it's also just this all the small things mm-hmm. it's like where where you you know walk into a door and you place your shoes you know and experiencing the joy of where they might get placed yeah you like know? fred rogers yeah taking your time taking your time and enjoying and, and there's this was really well uh, displayed and conveyed through the, the the Disney Pixar movie Soul. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. And it, it was really, I don't want to give too much away, but there's this moment that they really convey about life, mm. you know, because it's, it's this character that, that dies and he goes into the other world and he, he he's he's his soul and he loses his human body. And he's like, I gotta go back. I gotta be this musician. And then there's a soul up there who's terrified to go. No way I'm going back. This is way better. I'm up here. And so they, they make part, you know, they make friends, you know, across the whole film because they're of course like complete contradictions to one another. And at the, you know, towards the end, you, you get this, sense of how they both go through their embrace of life and embrace of death and and everywhere in between and what it means to to really be present with each moment and it, it's really beautiful i mean it's it is the small moments where we do have a like a sense of sadness or a sense of grief or anger and things that i mean we're we're kind of here for that and there is kind of like this beautiful embrace of like the terror <laughs> of being here and and being in this situation where they're real, like we're at the moment we're born, we're dying. You know, there's there we're just going through this like extended process of death, and transformation really is, you know, at, at the center of it all. Um, and if but we I, learn, yeah, right. Can we learn from change? Yeah. Can we allow? Yeah. So what happens when things change? I mean, yeah, something may die, but then what's, what's next? Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting how we, you know, we, we literally, we get, I think we tend to get stuck in in a place where, you know, what's going to happen next. And I can only see it through my own present and past experience. Mm -hmm. And we, we can't see the future. Mm -hmm. So it, it is an unknown. Mm-hmm. It, it's a complete. So in some ways, there there's almost like a necessary element to living, being trust. Yes, and and I find, yeah, what's scary is to recognize that I created a I created three selves at least in response to the lies that I have believed. I created mm-hmm. a wounded self. That's was the diaper of my parents' existential crisis. My parents, if my parents were carrying wounds consciously or unconsciously, which is all another topic, but my parents were carrying wounds and projecting them onto me, then I created a wounded self as a response. And that wounded self is objective is to heal my parents, to make them feel okay in my presence. It is, it is the, 
the belonging to the wound space. Yes, thank you. That's well said. Second, I created a social self. I got went to school and I started to see relationship to teachers. And then I saw women who I happened to be attracted to. And I thought, okay, how do I become pleasing unto them? And so my mom would give me, you know, 150 bucks for back to school clothes. I would buy a pair of Jordans. I would buy a few pair of Jimmy Z pants and some Vision Streetwear shirts so that I looked rich. And then I would trade with other kids who had stuff so that I can maintain this facade. And that's how I tried to navigate the awkwardness of junior high and high school and then sports and different things is I created this social self that's pleasing to my peers and pleasing to authority figures and seen as worshipable to those below me. And that social self can take you so far. And that's a belonging to that culture to the collective which is interesting because there we in each case we're giving ourselves away to something yes and and we may not know it yes both are literally creating we're literally creating Mm -hmm. and we're not necessarily conscious that we're creating like actively like i'm creating a wounded self for my parents it's unconscious yeah it's totally not even aware but we're doing it and then that's just the way we're built right and it's so beautiful and, and then like you put a seed in the ground and it grows. Now, some seeds come up warped because the ground isn't good. And most of us had enough nurturance and enough love that we survived our childhood. And there's plenty of our friends that didn't and still haven't. And they're living proof that they didn't survive their childhood. Right. And then you have that social self. And then what I created, my third iteration was what I call the dis- diseased self. Now I create mm. the hero. So I started with the victim. I became a villain of sorts. Like I need to figure out how to please authority. How do I get the kid who's popular to like me? Cause he's really an asshole, but if he likes me, I'm cool. So that's the villain, the repressed villain. Then I create mm-hmm. the hero and the career hero is the disease still. I'm so uncomfortable in my own skin. I'm so uncomfortable. I don't even know who I am. I'm going to create this persona and this sense of self that I'm going to bring into the professional world. Like I'm going to go to college and I'm going to learn this thing and I'm going to go out and I'm going to change the world. And it's, it's all a complete creation from a sense of dis-ease. I'm literally leprous. I'm literally dissolving. I'm literally full of, I'm literally telling cancer cells in my body, replicate, live, kill me. Hmm. I'm so uncomfortable being here. I'm going to present one thing. I'm going to look like, but in the inside, I'm literally eating myself up. Yeah. And how many people, you know, are walking around with, with all three. Yeah. And we all are in a certain way. I mean, you know, and and that's all right. Yeah. It's totally okay because I created these things and, and the sobriety comes from the moment when I realized, oh, I did this in response to my environment because I made my environment the source of my experience. I have mm-hmm. literally turned the world upside down. I'm literally living in a reverse of how things actually work. Wow. I remember the first time I read Course in Miracles. I remember the first time I read, nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Mm-hmm. Herein lies the peace of God. I remember reading those words and, and, and literally like taking a breath and literally like feeling like my mind just made love to God. Like God literally just inserted his penis into my vagina <laughs> glorious moment <laughs> glorious moment like i had a big vagina here on my head and god's <laughs> penis went in and he had just a little bit of his dew his nectar 
come, oh Lord, come, and came into <laughs> my mind. And I was like, and of course it rang true, but it was like, it was like being born. It was like realizing for a moment, oh, whoa, whoa, if this is true, everything is backwards. My whole life is upside down. Mm. Fuck. Okay. I'm scared and I'm excited because if nothing real can be threatened, nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. That's a paradox I like a lot. That sounds peaceful, joyful, happy, content, everything I want. <laughs> What's it going to require for me to realize that fundamentally? And like that's like on a cellular level. And that's and where be trust, living it. Yes. And that's where the process of trust. So literally in the course, it talks about the process of trust. Step one, mm. recognize that change is not bad. Mm -hmm. Once you recognize change is not bad, you're going to feel very unsettled because you're going to realize most of your identity is built around resisting change. Once you let yourself unsettle, you're going to start to see the flow of life and the beauty of life. And then you're going to settle again and things are going to flourish and grow and they're going to get to a certain extent. And then you're going to unsettle. And then you're going to throw an unsettling. Things will settle. Things will flourish. And this is what you're going to do for eons. Slowly. Gently merging back into source, returning to source with an incredible journey that you have taken, showing yourself as source, that aspect of itself in its perfection. Hmm. And source will establish you now as a radiance of that perfection mm -hmm. to serve all of itself for all of time and eternity, outside of time and eternity. And to go through that process, to me, is what coach coaching community and conversations are about that's my life my life is conversations coaching and community who the people who you're spending time with in your life what are your conversations with them like that's the most fundamental thing you can know do you enjoy conversating with the people you have in your life if you don't well you got the wounded social and disease self activated what kind of communities you're in What's that community like for you? How intimate, transparent, honest, and clear are you in that community? And then do you have a coach? Do you have someone in your life who is clear, whose conversations inspire you, but also challenge you and, and really bring up those things you've been hiding from yourself? Mm -hmm. Or do you just have people in your life who are just giving you steps of things to do, helping distract you from the mm -hmm. work that you know you're eventually going to have to do because none of us get out of this without doing the work we none of us get to skip kindergarten i don't care how smart you are none of us get to skip any of this and so for me the process of trust recognizing that i can trust each moment comes in noticing when there's a moment when i believe there's something i can't trust and getting honest about that saying okay I'm having the experience right now that you guys are untrustable, that, you, that something bad's about to happen. And I'm going to let first and foremost, just acknowledge that in myself. I'm not asking you to change or be different. I'm just going to say, here's what I am experiencing right now. And to me, what I'm doing is I'm honoring my experience <laughs> first and recognizing I'm disturbed. 
And because I'm safe enough to notice that I'm disturbed, I can trust that in being transparent and honest with myself, that I'm helping change be facilitated right now in a graceful and gentle way for me. And as I master that for myself, my service, my coaching then becomes offering that same process to the one in front of me so that they can integrate it and move along themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, I mean, it's um, your, your way of words. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> well, thank you. Shakespeare has been, and been Emerson and all of these guys have been great mentors in my life, mm -hmm. especially since 35. You know, that's really where I picked up great books and the poets and the philosophers, Socrates. I mean, I remember reading their stuff and just being like, why wasn't I taught this as a kid? Man. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to me how we you know, we ultimately want that too. Like we, but, but then we have this animal protector, mm -hmm. the, the safety, uh, you know, what's, what's a, like a professional title for the safety guy? You know, it's, it's that safety commissioner. That, yeah. The box checker, the, yeah. You know, that's just making sure everything is going to be okay mm -hmm. and everyone's going to be alive and, and, and that protector, the, the various parts that can come online and, and, and play a predominant role in our lives, keeping us safe, you know, can keep us in that place where we are just kind of living in this, you know, content driven box of reality where, where all the pieces of, you know, our head and, and our, it's all coming out of our mouth and we're just saying all this stuff and we can blame this guy. We could blame the president. We can blame our parents or whoever it's going to be. And it, it's all, you know, it's this guy and it's this, and it's, it's all these little parts that just like, what is that? And, it, and it's, there's something beneath of that. It's this, it's this fear. It's like, Oh wait, like, you know, like I can see through that part. That's just, made all the made this whole scene and convinced itself himself herself that all of this is true in order to just ultimately be saying hey i'm i'm calling out that i'm trapped that there's a part of me that's stuck i got my heart in this little box mm -hmm. and i'm i'm actually i'm actually calling out i'm actually wanting to let go of this shit yes and I'm, and I'm just saying it and I can't stop saying it and I'm going to keep blaming the president for it yeah. and whoever else it yes. is, you know, to, 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 to give all the reasons why I'm stuck, but I, but I, I can't admit it and I, I need some help. And, and it's, I mean, it seems like that, that ultimately that, that, that there is in some ways one, one reality or like, or like agreement or, or thing that we're, we really want to agree with. And it's this baseline connection to reality in a, in, a, in a safe, comfortable way. Like that I'm okay, that, that, that I can actually trust this. And we, and we put on the parts that say, maybe not, <laughs> but how do we get, how do we get to this point of just being like, Oh, yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. and just, you know, feeling into this beautiful rising of, change of the beautiful rising of nature itself and i mean there's such beauty in these moments of everything arising and we can just tune into that i think that's a 
it's a really nice guiding place for just simplifying. Yes. Because it can get so complicated. We, we create all the, the yeah. things in, in our world about what is true. And, and we're, you know, and, and that's all right. Like, that's part of the, the amazing, fucked up, beautiful contrast and polarity that we're, we're playing with. You know, perceiving one-sidedly and seeing, seeing only one side of the picture because it hurt. Mm-hmm. And if I look at the other side and I see, oh, wait, maybe there was actually a balance there. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, that that moment was horrible and it, and it, and it did suck and mm-hmm. it fucking hurt. Mm-hmm. And it gave me so much. Yeah. And I think like you, you touched on that before that, that, that moment where we turn into the learning, you know, like, and maybe that's, it's another, I mean, I guess we could, I could pull in the, the part about, you know, the dying as well. Like what is meaningfully to you now? Is that the question? What is most meaningful to you right now? What do you love to give your attention to? What do you love to give your attention to? And how, and in giving your attention to it, what kind of attention are you giving to each moment? Those questions really help you see that your attention is the creator of experience. Yeah, that perception, that way you're perceiving and I mean, that's the thing. I think we sometimes we we place the emphasis, the perception, the the attention on the thing that hurt, and we can go into the victim, or we can place the attention on the the Jordans because we want to fit in, and 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 it's it's just it's ultimately there's there's something behind it all. Yeah, our desire for love. I wanted to that. see. I wanted my peers to look at me and love me, and it seemed the only way I could do that in the construct that we had agreed to was if I looked a certain way. If I played a sport a certain way, if I was seen a certain way. So that to me invited me to play and create a self in which I would get there. It's not about not getting it. When I became it, my senior in high school, I became, I finally became, I had the hottest girl in high school who came to me, wanted to date me. Volleyball exploded and I was a captain of the volleyball team, like in the sense of it was a club team, but we were like leading. Mm-hmm. And um there I was I had massive respect of the jocks I had the hot girlfriend she was the cheerleading I was the man I had a cool truck I made it and it felt good it felt good to spend however much time in that space and be like yeah this feels good and so you achieve you make that you you work for it you make that achievement I became the enlightened social self I became the enlightened wounded self I became the enlightened disease self all three of those I became it fully and by embracing and becoming it fully and honoring that that's what I wanted to create because I wanted to see what it's like I didn't do anything wrong I was curious and from my perfect innocence I go yeah wounded self that's so far away from God seemingly how far away from God can I get from source, from love and still be loved? I'm going to find out wounded self. Okay. I need two amazing people who really have a solid wounded self. Oh, look at those two souls. Perfect. Look at that vortex. Perfect. I'm dropping in. (laughs) So for me, when I embrace those things and really acknowledge them and when they show up in relationship and I go, ah, wounded self's here. Wounded self is saying, you're an asshole because I feel this way. Oh, I'm going to bring the light of attention to this. I'm going to honor you. 
as an asshole. You're an asshole to me and I'm not gonna ask you to change or fix that because you're an asshole to me. And this wounded self is worthless in your sight. And I'm gonna honor that. And I'm gonna look at it and go, okay, all done. Because as soon as I acknowledge it and see it, it collapses. That's what a good death is. Death to me, mm-hmm. I know I because I've died. I've died in this lifetime. I had a what do people call them an NDE. When I died, it was the was the easiest thing was to die. The most challenging thing was to allow that that change, that seeming transition to occur. And I was only frightened for a few seconds as I felt the heart stop beating and as I felt the body couldn't breathe. But as I realized there was nothing I could do about that and I just relaxed, it was wonderful. What was hard was I was putting my attention on the body saying, oh shit, I'm losing my experience. But as soon as the body stopped breathing and the mind stopped doing it, all of a sudden I'm still in that delicious attention, but now there's no body. The body's out of my attention and I'm still the same aware being, but there's a whole huge expanse of awareness. Now I'm aware of everything all around me all at once. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and, and my friends appeared to me in my dream ancestors, masters, and they were rolling. They were like, oh, you, you pulled off the greatest joke of all time on yourself. Well done. Have you had enough? Yeah. You're not done. You're going back. Okay. Have fun. Mm. Do the work. You're only having this experience because you're so afraid to do the work because you believe the work is only going to prove that you're worthless. And there's so much shame built into that body of yours. And all that shame wants is your Fred Rogers, Matt Kahn, Julia Child, Big Bird, Snuffleupagus, Elmo (laughs) kind of attention. It's a little kid in you that is so powerful. And all he wants to know is that he's safe to feel the fear again. And he doesn't have to hide anymore. Will you do that? Yes. All right. Yeah, it's a it, man. It's amazing how how scared we can be of something that will give us so much liberation, and then to realize that the thing we we're so scared of, the scariest part was the being scared of it. <laughs> My fear of it. Right. It's, it's a strange thing, but it's... Um... Because I was told, when you die, you meet God, and God judges you. And you immediately go to hell or heaven. Mm. But when I died, nothing happened. It was peaceful and beautiful, and everything was available to me. There was no God, per se. There were friends looking at me like, like with pure love and acceptance. Mm. Hey, it was just pure love and acceptance. That's all I could feel. Hey. And everything I had been told that I had held in my system immediately was confronted with the beauty of life. Mm. And now it's like, okay, come back. What was interesting with David Hawkins is he said, a near-death experience does not change a person's level of consciousness at all because we already know it fundamentally that we're not the body. What changes your level of consciousness is the willingness to integrate the change. Right. To embody it. And it's really, yeah. And that's a, that's such a good point. Cause I feel like that's one of the biggest points in, you know, coaching is, you know, that in some ways we are these observers of our life and there's this, there is this kind of like ultimate, like baseline of truth. And 
I mean, so much in our life feels like we don't have that much control. You know, it's like things happen. It's like, holy shit, I never thought I would be here. And here we are. And all right. And, you know, you're, you're going with it. Yet we do have the ability to control how we think about it yeah. and the choice we make within our, within our own way of perceiving and seeing things and, and choosing how we're going to live, which is that integration. Yes. You know, because you, you could just go back into where you were before, but you clearly something was awakened that was, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for something different here. Yeah, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let the evolution occur. Let I'm gonna allow it. I'm gonna allow myself. I'm gonna allow these three beings to meet mother, my real mother. So that's what's that's the process that's been so delicious the last couple of years, and particularly 2020, is mm. my ideal self has met mother, and the ideal self dissolves in mother's presence because the ideal self recognizes in order to receive from source there can be nothing in your way of receiving. Yeah, yeah. So those three selves I create are literally resistance and the absolute denial that I exist to receive all that I am, bit by bit. Oh, man. Yeah. And when I realized that here with you guys, that one of the biggest ahas came in the journey space here, like 5.30 in the morning, and all of a sudden there it was in my gut, I could feel this thing going. I could feel mother all night saying, God, I love you. I just want to spoil you. I want to take care of you. I want to show you how beautiful and divine and wonderful you are to me. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And then mm. all of a sudden in the morning, this little thing went, she wants to kill me. She wants to eat me. She wants to take away all my, all the things I love. Oh, I'm so scared of that. And I went to two women and was like, this is what I'm experiencing. And they just like surrounded me and helped me. And, and it speaks to your point, Keenan, and I love that I have only want to be helpful to the one in front of me. Because to be helpful to you is to extend the love that we both exist within. And to do that, I experience love. Yeah, yeah. The, and that's, I mean, to bring in that Virgo Pisces thing, it's like that the Virgo is that service. It's like, you know, appreciating life, coming back into the magic of the being, the body, mind, the the suffering aspects is is those little pieces of of allowing another like to see that, you know, and, and that that act of service is ultimately an act of service for yourself. You know, and it's uh yeah, your your story reminds me that the mother, you know, it's like I had this moment where I had a session with somebody and and I experienced, you know, this part of me that needed to be held deeply by the mother. And there was a part of me that was terrified to be here, you know, because I hadn't quite felt the, the deep gooey, oh, you know, on a, on a cellular nervous system level of like, I am here and I'm just taken care of. And here I am, this adult, you know, 32 myself, walking around, you know, launching businesses and handling things and walking this adult life. And I come to the to the crossroads of my own personal development, so to speak, to be to need to drop into my total infant and just be held by mom. And it's like, there's there's a part of me that's like, is there 
that it w- that was maybe scared of that you know it was like all all the maybe the three parts of me were like is that really what i need you know is something wrong with me and there's all these things that you can say and it's just so interesting to me how like being able to drop into my infant self mm. is my is my growth point as an adult right you know and I, and i hope that that rings true for people listening that that these moments where we feel like we're regressed it's like how did i get to needing this kindergarten moment you know i think i think it really is this this amazing contrast that exists it's like to we have that kind of polarity like i can be if i drop into this infant self and just receive that and feel and just you know i want to hear more about what you have to say about the mother right because i feel like this has got to hit home for a lot of people but if i just receive that's it yes what 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 am i actually doing i'm not i it feels like everything is dying you know like my ego identity my sense of like that i you know, I've got to have it all together and then I've got to have it all together for other people and whatever else it is. And it, it was kind of like a death and it was kind of scary yeah. to just drop everything. Cause in some ways that, that, that moment of receiving fully is a death moment. It's yes. dropping all that I am yes. to just be the goop. Yes. <laughs> to be this emotional, you know how much trust is required just to relax for most people and notice where you relax and where you don't it's so good because to me what mother is is perfect trust in which every single thing that you're aware of comes into contact with the reality of that source yeah and you allow that love that you allow yeah. it. And, and for me as a man with a strong, with having like an overdeveloped masculine side, which, which roots the feminine in shame. So for me, my journey has been the masculine roots. It's, it, it's feminine side is literally crippled and invalid, but it's masculine side is like over. It's like huge and like, which is a lot of people because yeah. of the way we've been, you know. Mm-hmm. So this gets fed and it's nurtured and it's like steroids and like <laughs> creatine and protein. Achievement, yeah. success, <laughs> progress. Yeah. And the, the feminine side of me is like, you know, it's like <laughs> drooling and like. <laughs> yeah, I suppose literally. that's kind of what. Because that was my well. father and mother. My dad mm. was this powerful guy. Loud, boisterous, creative. So was my grandfather. And then my grand one, the grandmother on one side and my mom were totally passive, totally mm-hmm. paralyzed. Just like John Joseph Merrick, who was the elephant man. That's that to me was like the mirror where you, you could have a lifetime where you literally manifest that physically, but it lives in all of us in an emotional way. And and it's fully paralyzed. And and I remember David Hawkins telling me the story that he had the largest clinic in, in New York. And the main thing, you know, his main cure was get people off sugar for 24 hours and most wow. of their psychosis would clear up. Wow. Yeah. He was like, it was that simple. I'd tell him before you come in, you have to be off sugar for 24 hours and most of their problems would go away because they were addicted to overstimulating the wrong things. Huh. And I wonder, I mean, there's also that kind of like 
component of sweetness. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're getting, you, you're just, I crave the sweetness. I crave the nourishment that I, that ultimately is something we can experience with, well, I mean, ourselves, but also another person. Yes. And that has a lot to do with the feminine, because for me, like my relationships to sweets has totally radically changed the more that I have allowed myself to receive what mother is in myself. Mm. Like the, the, the craving for sugar goes away. Not because, because there's something in me that is now satiated that wasn't. And so David Hawkins is sitting there and they bring in an invalid woman who they've taken everywhere and, and tried to help her. And he said, I just sat there with her and all of a sudden I made contact with her higher self. And I talked and I spoke to her higher self and immediately she came out of the catatonic state. And then he said, and then I realized I didn't want to spend my rest of life just doing this one-on-one. There was something in me that wanted to create a, an understanding that people could apply to their lives. I didn't want to be the source of it. So for me, like I've met so many paralyzed beings and my desire to be helpful to them is really the service to my own crippled being inside myself, learning how to make contact with them and be of service to them. This thing immediately begins to heal and wake up. Mm-hmm. When I shift my attention to it, it starts to repress and go paralyzed again. I keep my attention on the one I want to serve and those that show up and I know that in them and I bring love and guidance and patience and listening to this heals. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit of a paradox because yeah. my service heals me. My service to you heals me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, perhaps that's an invitation for a lot of people to step outside of a lot of their own pain through that service. Because I think it's, it's been largely that is for me as well, you know, being able to just serve others and, and support others allows me to, to see the irrelevancy of a lot of my own pain. I mean, it, it's not that it's completely irrelevant all of a sudden, right? But it it, it puts it in, it does, it, it decreases the size of it. It's like, oh, that wasn't so big, you know? And, and the revelation that comes when it's not about you. Mm-hmm. The most wonderful thing that we can do for ourselves is invite very curious people to be in our lives that are really curious about us. And, and friendship to me, when I'm curious about Keenan, when, when I, and if I'm finding myself trying to get Keenan interested in me, when I'm trying to get Keenan interested in me, I'm shriveling. Mm-hmm. And I'm asking you to do the same. When I go, man, I'm so curious about Keenan. I wonder what he's up to. I wonder what he wants to create. I love that guy. I just, every time I think about him, I think, man, not only is he fucking beautiful, has a beautiful body, mind. I mean, you're just so easy to look at, but also, like the heart and soul of you, like just feeling into you and looking at you. It's like, oh, I love this guy. And I love him so much. I'm so curious about what he wants to create. I'm so curious about what challenges he's facing. I'm wondering if that's something he'd be willing to share with me in a conversation. I'm wondering if him and I would recognize a community that, that our relationship is, is a bond to. And then I wonder what might come of our curious exploration of each other. And then everything just takes care of itself. And it's all moments of curiosity. Cause you, I mean, you, you know, we spent some moments together and then you reached out, you know, after it had been a little while with such curiosity. 
And it just brought all that. It, it was such an invitation to me to be like, oh my God, I fucking love Eden. I love Johnny. <laughs> Look at this amazing man. Yeah. Reaching out and yeah. asking me about me and like, you know, honoring me, you know, wondering about what I'm going through. What's it, what are you going through? You know, and it, it's like the curiosity begets curiosity. Yes. And then we we can share and all, and all that like, yeah, kind of like wondrous space. Yeah, and that to me is mother. Like God as father is like mm. this space and he's, he doesn't know your dream, but Shakti, mother, she knows everything about your dream. And she's just sitting there waiting for you to tell her all about it. She's so curious and she's, mm. she's constantly sending messengers and angels and beings your way that are saying, what's it like? What are you feeling? What's really going on? Do you feel safe to share? Do you feel free shape to transparent that? Because that to me is the work of mother. The work of mother is to reveal what I've created and, and the direct experience of that creation. And then to come into community or to coach or to a conversation and say, in this relationship with this partner, here's where I'm struggling. Here's where it's hard. Wow, that sounds so challenging. Let's break that down. Let's get down to the core of that. And let's solve this problem forever together. And let's find out what the next step is. And as we give our time and loving attention to this, it will heal and change. And we don't have to know what that looks like. It doesn't mean you're going to stay in that relationship. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you're not going to stay. We don't know. But what we're going to do is we're willing to take the steps to show up and be that nurturing, take that nurturing that we're receiving and give it away. Yeah. Because that's how we exercise the muscles. So what I'm noticing is this feminine side of me is getting more and more nurtured. The more and more I serve and know my service, this masculine guy now starts to relax. He starts to actually like do yoga. He starts to thin out and get lean. This starts to energize. She gets a little plump. She gets a little curvy. She's, she's the seductress. She's like soft and gentle, but her power is so unique. And now those two blend together. And this is a process. I'm not speaking from the perfection of it yet, but that's my heart's desire. And, and not that there's some ideal perfection where you arrive. I think for eternity, we'll constantly, day by day, moment by moment, gently dissolving into source more and more and more. But as we do that, it's like our fundamental qualities then blend more and more and more. And then we radiate more and more and more of that source of light. Yeah. And we have more enriching experiences, which causes us to relax, which causes us to release, which causes us to relax, which causes us to release, which causes us to relax. We All have because the process is already built into the system. You trust the process, you evolve beautifully and wonderfully. When you don't trust the process, it's a fucking nightmare. Yeah, I mean, you have, you have ultimate resource. Yes, you've resourced. <laughs> yes, into source. Yes. Yeah, and that's what word husband means. Resource. Ah, well, yeah. I mean, you mentioned the mother piece. What about the father? Yeah, the father I mean, to mentioned me is, the father as well. Father, I mean, I experienced the the most beautiful father experience I've experienced was with my grandmother, because she always looked at me with this pure love, and all she ever asked me is, "Are you happy?" Uh, I, I talked to her a couple of days hmm. before she passed, and she when she transitioned, she trans transitioned really quick at eighty eight. And a couple of days before she passed, I called her and, and she sounded different. She sounded really tired. And she said, grasshopper, that's what she called me from Kung Fu. 
Nice. She said, I look like David Carradine. <laughs> and uh, she said, grasshopper. I said, yeah, I'm one more. She said, are you happy? And I was like, I'm working on it. That's all I want for you, sweetie. I just want you to be happy. And it, it was such an easy relationship with her. Mm. And that to me is the masculine. It is, it's that pillar. It's that ability. I know I'm in my masculine in a holistic way when I'm sending someone that's having a really hard time, whether it's an intimate relationship or a client, and I'm able to hear and bring it all in. And that masculine in me is just totally present to it and seeing through their dreams, seeing through their story, seeing the radiance and the splendor of what they really are. And the masculine's attention is, I know what you are. I know what is really going on. And all of this will not hypnotize me into reacting and trying to take away from you your dream. Yeah, it's that solid, stable, pure knowing of the truth of who you really are. To, we, to me, and yeah, yeah, like holding that, yeah, through whatever chaos through is whatever. going. Whatever, and if you start to waver and start to freak out, that's when you go, okay, I'm, I'm not able to hold this for you right now. Right, something really good's coming up for me. Do you feel you could hold some space for me? Especially in the, I don't do that with clients because it doesn't happen because it's a different role. But in in intimate relationships, hey, whoa, you just touched. You just touched something really good and I'm wavering right now. Yeah. Do we need to take a break? Would that be wise? Or do you feel you can hold some space that I can acknowledge some things in me right now? And then they move into that masculine space. Nice. And what I find is as I let that masculine space just hear it and I stay consciously aware of you are beautiful, you are radiant, you are free, you are sovereign creator. Nothing you say is going, I'm not going to take the bait. And think that I'm here to fix or change or react to what you're saying. I'm here to just witness it. Then mother activates in me and mother goes, oh, honey, I see you. Here's what I see. This is what this sounds like. And then the person has that that catharsis. They cry, they laugh. And then you'll watch them. Mm. They'll just forget it. They'll forget it. And they're like, okay, I'm going to go. And you're like, what? It's a miracle. <laughs> Mm. I didn't do anything. I stayed true. I just stayed true. I can hear anything and not be affected. And I can allow mother to respond. Yeah. I don't have to know what to say. I don't have to know what to do. I trust that this moment is perfectly contained in perfect sacred source space. And so I'm going to honor that and allow whatever arises to make contact with that. And I am its channel it's medium. Now the practice is abiding in that. And the only reason I'm not abiding in that is because when I trigger, when I get upset, I don't acknowledge it. I fake it. I, I then use it to interface and say, Oh, I'm not safe. They're not safe. God isn't fair. We're fucked. Mm -hmm. And then I withdraw. Yeah. Go. Right. And thank God there's people out there that see me and go, honey. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> they can see through it, you know, because yeah. I can be inside like this, but outside be like, but inside mm -hmm. of me, and then there's something you meet these people like yourself and Star and others, Holly, and they look at you and you're like, oh, shit, shit, shit. They see the little crippled in me and they're not afraid of it. Mm. And they're not going to buy into my facade. That scares me. And thank God, thank God I can't hide this. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank God I can't hide this. Nothing's what a hidden. relief. 
What a relief. Nothing is hidden. Oh. Yeah, because all the energy that goes in hiding, whatever it is, holy shit. And, who and the disease hiding, patterns right? that can exist. Exactly. Because of that. Yeah, I, I, man, everything you're saying is just striking, striking the heart and the chords of me. Thank you for in a huge way. It. I appreciate yeah. you sharing all. I think we really need a, a greater clarification of mother, father, and divine mother, father, and divine masculine, and feminine, um, as you know, an ability to resource what that really is, in, in order to feel resourced in in this the climate of what is today. Um, so it's just always such an honor and privilege to be in your presence and hang out and speak. Um, is there anything that you would like to finish with before we wrap things up? Uh, I'd just like to offer maybe a couple practical things for anyone who's listened to this and be like, how can I apply? I like what you said. How can I apply it? The most powerful thing you can do is get into community, find it, call in yeah. a community. And, and be willing to get into communities and find out if it works for you or not by being your authentic self. Because true community can handle you. If you find your tribe, they can handle you. They can see through your bullshit and, and hold you. Yeah, and, there's, and there's, not, there's not a part of you that's gonna be you know, rejected, put off. They're gonna, they're gonna come back, love you, be there for you. Yes, and the people I give my time and attention to, all of them I've met in the community and in the journey community. Mm -hmm to get a coach and if you're trying to be a coach get a coach like well my i want to i want to create a commercial someday i'm gonna put it on television where a guy's like sitting down with his friends and he's like yeah i'm having all these issues with my wife and they're like well what does your therapist have to say i don't have a therapist well what does your coach have to say i don't have a coach well why are you bringing this to me <laughs> yeah this isn't what i want to have i'm, I'm not your therapist i'm not your mm. coach why don't you have one Get a coach, get a therapist. Why yeah, don't you have for real? So Why are helpful. we asking our friends and family members to do this shit? And our for partners. Us? Exactly. Too much we put on our partners' plates around that. So get a coach. Yeah. I've got a coach. It's awesome. And then notice your conversations. Notice the conversations you're having with the thoughts that are the first thoughts you have in the morning are the most important ones to notice. Because we're literally channeling the thoughts. And ideas don't leave their source. So if you're thinking, if you're rooting yourself in the morning in fearful thoughts, you're literally just spending the rest of your day as a channel of fear-based thoughts. And that sucks for you. And it yeah. sucks for all of us because you're literally not playing your role. Yeah, catch them. Catch them. Catch them. Don't, you don't need to cast them out, but, but just to be recognize and go, hey, I know what you are. I know what this thought is. I'm not entertaining it. What I find is that if you disidentify with it and then you bring your awareness into your body, because usually you're having those thoughts to show you, you, you some feeling. Yes. So, ah, uh, okay. This is running again. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Got my awareness. Yes. Oh, that's not me. That's it's not, not me. really the, the true me. Yes. Ah, uh, what am I feeling right now? Yes. And what's a thought right now that I'd like to think, because if you don't replace it, you're just leaving an empty space, keep your house clean and then keep your house full of the kind of thoughts so yeah. what's the one thought I can think right now that in thinking it, everything gets easier and something has become unnecessary. That kind of question now, what so you're good. invoking is a thought that comes in that's so full of energy and life and vitality is so aligned with your purpose that now you're turned on and you just go into your day. And Richard Dawkins would probably say that you, you know, one of the highest vibrations we can really 
go towards is gratitude. Absolutely. So if your thought can take you to a moment of gratitude, then you have the, the frequency of gratitude in the, the powerful thought. Yes. And miracles happen in your practice. So by practicing receiving, by practicing giving what you're receiving, miracles become a way of life. So conversation, community, coach. It's the best thing you can do for yourself is be aware of those things. And, and to really allow yourself to receive the nurturance from the unity that we all are for your own ability to nurture mm. would be, and hopefully that's mm. practical and useful enough that people that are listening to this feel like they can apply that to their life right now. What's yeah. one thing, what's one thought I can think right now that in holding it in my mind, everything becomes easier and some things now become unnecessary. Right. I love that. Any question that can create coherence in your mind yes. is a beautiful question. And, and when we ask great questions, we live amazing lives because we're supporting that curious, innocent self. And that curious, innocent self is always free of all construct, but it can bring any construct in and go, hmm, hmm, <laughs> what is this? Look at this microphone. Ooh. <laughs> it doesn't go, how dare you? You know, it's like, yeah. what is this? Uh-huh. And that curiosity is so repulsive, repulsive to distorted beings because they're not curious. Beings that are holding, let's say beings that are holding distortions can't stand curiosity. And so mm. they just bounce right out of your field because you're too curious for them and they consider that naive. Mm, but then, know. but the, <laughs> that curious part is on the other side, is that is that sage? Exactly. I know that I don't know, but I wonder, <laughs> I wonder what this is to me now. Is this an ice cream cone? Is this charcoal flavor? <laughs> no. It's just it's just foam. <laughs> yeah. Worth well, a try anyway. Worth though. a try. Yeah, <laughs> I learned. I discovered. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful Eden. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Thanks for letting me yeah. be with you, Keenan, as always. Yeah, we'll have you back again. I'm sure I, I there's so much in this one. It's, it's been a joy. Yeah, my pleasure. Mm -hmm.